Since 2014, an organization called David's Tent DC has been set up on or near the National Mall 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Their website says David's Tent DC is an interdenominational ministry committed to the authority of the Word of God, the Holy Bible. If you visit the mall, you can't miss the 1,600-square-foot white tent, which is located at 7th Street and Madison, about 100 feet from the green turf. To find out how and why this organization has been allowed by the National Park Service to stay put all these years, we talked with David's tent founder, Jason Hershey. Mr. Hershey, on your website, you say, to our knowledge, and this is a quote, no nation has done this in their capital since King David in 1000 B.C. What is this? Yeah, David's tent uh, on the National Mall is 24-7, 365 worship and prayer for our country uh, to Jesus, specifically, and um, so it's a it's a twenty four seven musical prayer meeting. The reason why we call it David's Tent is it's patterned off of King David in the Bible. So the same kid that killed Goliath when he was young uh, in the Bible when he became king. Many years later, God took a shepherd boy and made him into a king. Uh, when he became king in Israel, the Bible records is that he re- he hired four thousand musicians and two hundred and eighty eight singers. And he put these 4,288 musicians and singers in 24 watches, and they actually, in song, around the clock, it says continuously, day and night, they ministered to the heart of the Lord in this 24-7 musical prayer meeting. So to our knowledge, again, maybe there's something out there in the world history that we don't know, is that we don't know that any other nation has done it quite like this in their capital since King David. Where did you get this idea? Quite honestly, it was in 2011. Um, I was just really, my heart was just really broken for the United States of America. And I mean, I don't necessarily want to go into the litany of of just real heartbreaking things in our culture. Um, And it's only gotten worse since then, if I be perfectly honest. But my heart was was just broken for our country. And so I was just seeking the Lord in, in times of prayer. And during that time, I stumbled over this Bible story of this king in Israel, King David, in this tabernacle. And also, it's interesting that, that the Bible records, like, the reign of David it are like the golden years of Israel's history. Like, the, the flourishment of the, the nation during that time as they made the Lord the priority, but a blessing, obviously, upon the land. And so, sort of out of that time, I'm like, man, if, if David did it, I want to do it, too, in our nation. Where are you from originally? Originally, I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. It's, it's world-renowned for the piety of, the, of the, the Mennonite and Amish. And I didn't grow, grow up Amish, so I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a horse and buggy. Um, but I did grow up Mennonites. But we saw cars. We still had electricity. Um, but definitely, I grew up on a dairy farm, milking cows, going to our local country Mennonite church um, as a kid. Um, it was there that I first met the Lord. It was there that I was first baptized and came to know Jesus. And it was there that really God put in me a heart for missions and a heart to, to be sharing the love of Jesus with others. 
How many different places have you been with the 10th and your organization since you first came to Washington in 2012? Okay, so 2012 was our was the first year we did we did 40 days, and the tent was on the ellipse of the White House. Now, over the years, the regulations of the National Park Service has changed, so we can't be on grass anymore um, because of the perpetuity of what we do. It would kill the grass, and so um, so we have to be on hardscape now. And so I want to say we've been at uh, one, two, three, four, five, maybe six or seven different locations all on the national mall and all permitted with the national park service, but moving to different places at different times to accommodate the inauguration, July 4th, uh, different things that, that obviously the government has sort of preeminence over the mall before we do. How does it work? Uh, how does it work with the permitting? Nope. How does it work with the tent and, and who comes, who's allowed to come, oh, what sure. goes on inside? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. We have a team of about 15 to 20 full-time volunteer missionaries that actually we live, uh, we have you know, a couple of houses out of Fort Washington in Maryland that we, that we sort of live there together as a missions community. And then uh, these 15 to 20 of us, we're full-time. And so we're running the tent day and night in watches. So just like any other 24-7 job, there's those that work third shift, so to speak. We call it a prayer watch, not a shift. Um, but there's those that are doing the, the night watch, that sleep during the day, things like that. But then predominantly, um, there's, it's carried by those churches in the D.C. region. Um, I know, you know, Grace Capital City Church, they take every Monday night. Uh, Resting Place takes every Friday night. Uh, Justice House of Prayer D.C. takes every Friday night over midnight into Saturday morning. The Gate Church takes, um, the Gate is called, takes, takes every uh, Saturday night. Antioch Church takes every Sunday morning. Church of the Holy Spirit takes every Sunday night. So, so a lot of the churches in this region, they're taking weekly or monthly, even quarterly watches at David's Tent. Um, but then we also have, we have groups that come from all around the nation that will come for a week, two weeks, maybe even longer at times, that will come here and volunteer with us. Um, we call them musicianaries. Uh, musicians and singers that will come to be lifting up this intercessory prayer meeting uh, before the Lord together. So uh, it's it's amazing. Um, everybody that comes are volunteers. They're volunteering to do this sort of as a missions assignment. And so David's Tent uh, doesn't have anybody on payroll. Um, it's 100% uh, really carried by volunteer missionaries. I've watched your documentary that was made a number of years ago on YouTube. Yeah. And I don't want to characterize you, but you do not dress up in clerical garb. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you don't look like you're living beyond your means. Uh, are, are you a minister? I am actually ordained minister. Um, but definitely, we, you know, I believe that Jesus um, came to, to dwell with man. He came to dwell with mankind. And I do believe that there is a great reverence that we have for the Lord which is where the clerical garb would come from. Um, but for a lot, I also find Jesus to be very relational. He will sit down and have supper with us. And it's also very, uh, I want to say, down to earth. In the midst of his um, heavenly reverence as the Son of God, he is also the Son of Man that came to dwell with us. And so, yeah, I don't carry myself as a, as a collared minister. I am ordained. I, I, I have, you know, married people. I do baptize people. I definitely do the work of the, of the minister, but yeah, I mean, most days you probably wouldn't notice me to be dressing or necessarily acting differently than anybody else. 
Let me go back to my original question. This is from your website. To our knowledge, no nation has done this in their capitals since King David in 1000 B.C. But beyond that, has anybody anywhere in Washington, D.C., been allowed to stay on the mall 24 hours a day, seven days a week for since I guess you've been on the mall since about 2015. Yeah, we've been continuous since 2015. Um, the previous years, we would do like 40 days in the fall, 50 days in the fall. And then in 2015, we've been continuous since then. I'm told um, there was actually an article that Washington Post did the research on that. And I think there is actually a vigil by the Vietnam Memorial that's been going on much longer than us. Now, it's not, obviously, there's not a, a big tent like we have. Um, the, the structure of things that are out there isn't quite like we have, but it's definitely permissible to do so um, with the Park Service. You just have to uh, do everything according to the regulations that they present to us. Actually, if there is a vigil at the Vietnam Memorial, I've never seen it, and I go by it at least three times a week. There is a I don't know what you call it a shack, but there's a little, little, uh, little, you know, a little tiny little building, and it's rolling thunder. And once in a while, there's somebody inside, but often there's not. So anyway, but but go back. Why I I read on your website that um, a staff member of the National Park Service is the one that suggested we make what you do there an annual event. The National Park Service, their attitude toward you, and what, do they ever say to you, it's time for you to leave the mall? Yeah, that, that the quote that you quoted from her website may be taken a little bit out of context, and it may, like, you know, I'd apologize if we characterized it wrongly. Um, it wasn't necessarily that they said, hey, you should do this. It was basically the, the opportunity was basically presented as far as like, hey, if you wanted to do it, this is what you would have to do to, in order to fulfill the requirements and the regulations from the National Park Service to be able to do it. And so that definitely pushed us forward in the process as far as like, oh, okay, so it is possible. Um, but, yeah, as far as the, the permitting goes and the attitude to the, to the National Park Service, they have been, you know, their job is to protect the First Amendment rights of, of everybody, not just us, but of everybody that wants to have a First Amendment demonstration on the mall. And I have to say, they have done a, you know, a great job. There's been times where, th- where, yeah, there's been a little bit of wrestling because some of the re- regulations and requirements that they would require us to do are tough. But we understand that they're, they're, they're done with, a, with the, the best of motives in mind. And, um, and honestly, they've been, uh, they've been great to work with. And I would, you know, I admire the work that they do, and I would, I would do nothing but speak highly of the National Park Service and how they serve not just Davis Tent, but they serve so many groups on the mall. Back to you for a moment. I saw on the, your, I think it was your Twitter account, that you have seven children? Yes, we have seven kids. My oldest is uh, 15, and on down from there, about every two years, and uh, my life is full and it's it's the and it's busy, but we would have my wife and I would have it no other way. We have so much fun. Is she with you here? Yeah, she lives. Uh, we we live together in Fort Washington, Maryland, in our in our own residence there. Well, uh, let me go back to your website again. It says no one is making money from David's tent. How do you survive? <laughs> I've been a volunteer missionary um, for about twenty years, pretty much most of my adult life. And so before coming to Washington, D.C., I was, you know, doing missions in foreign nations in, in other parts of the world. And through, so through all those years, I, you know, through family and friends and churches that we knew, they have been sponsoring us to, to basically 
as benefactors to support our life as a missionary. And so as God began to call us here to Washington, D.C., to David's tent, um, that same support team has been behind us all these years. All kinds of things, as I walk by and see your tent on the mall, um, come to mind. There's a generator. There are porta-potties. There's an additional tent. Yeah. Uh, if I come up, I mean, if I came to the tent and walked in and sat down in one of the chairs in there, what would happen? Yep. I mean, any given, the musical style may be different from one hour to the next. Um, even the language, you know, we have uh, people that will come and, and lead worship in Chinese. They'll be singing their songs to Jesus in Spanish or other, um, even Mongolian, uh, Russian, um, some other languages. But what you will primarily see is is you will walk in and you'll hear a worship song to Jesus as a blessing to the Lord. And part of that, you may hear scripture um, being, being read as part of the music, just reading out of the Bible. And you may hear prayers also that would be coming out of those scriptures that were praying the Bible back to the Lord um, as, as releasing a prayer onto the earth. So, so when you walk into David's tent, most hours what you're going to get is you're walking into a musical prayer meeting of worship and prayer. And so you can come in, you can sit down and just simply, um, and I, uh, just the presence of God that is in that place. Um, I would challenge you to take this. Most people will stop in for 30 seconds. They'll kind of look around and then they'll, they'll run back out again. But I would challenge you to take 30 minutes or an hour someday and really let your heart rest in that place and see if, if suddenly you won't sense the encouragement of God beginning to well up within you. Um, the Holy Spirit is there, and He's moving. And so I would expect that you would meet with God when you come. Um, there are some churches that will meet there as part, of, as part of their weekly celebrations. So there may be some hours where there may be some preaching, but that's, that's very limited out of a, you know, it might be an hour or two hours out of a whole week would be a time of preaching. Most of it is more, we call it vertical, worship and prayer unto the Lord. What are the requirements that allow you to stay there 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Oh, yeah. Obviously, we have to do our paperwork with the Park Service. But some of the requirements is obviously is, is just it's public safety stuff, making sure that our, our, you know, our exits are marked, making sure that we have people on site. Um, we're required to have three people there day and night that would operate sort of as marshals, but also as, you know, security now, for us in the middle of the night, those three marshals are also the people that are, you know, keeping the prayer meeting going. But we have to have people there to sort of watch over it day and night. Um, and then, obviously, we have to have, you know, the right kind of generator. Everything has to have the right UL codes on it and stuff that would be it's you it can't just be some backyard thing happening. Everything has to be up to code. If you walk around Washington on any day, you can find a lot of people who are uh they're poverty-stricken. There are a lot of probably mental health cases that are tucked away in the corners, even around the monuments. What happens if somebody like that shows up and wants to sleep in your tent overnight? Yeah. Well, we have promised the National Park Service that we would not let David's tent become uh, Occupy D.C. or Occupy Wall Street. Um, there would suddenly be people sleeping all over David's tent and using it as a homeless campout. And so in order to sort of walk in unity with the Park Service and also unity with the city, um, we have promised them that we're not going to allow uh, sort of the, the homeless population of D.C. to call that place home. But we would instead we would actually actually encourage them to go to the homeless shelters and the places that are actually meant for that purpose. 
Um, and so, you know, obviously if, if people that, that are in great need would come to David's tent, we want to help them out to the degree that we can. Um, but there are certain things that we won't do because we want to steer them to the places where they are actually going to be interacting with people that are trained and have the resources and the capability to give them true help. I think in your documentary that you give a figure for how much it costs to keep this operating for every minute. But let me just ask you an overall question. What's it cost you to keep it operating every year? Yeah, the operating budget over the year, you know, it it all depends. I'll tell you, because it depends on the weather because of just the fuel and heating and all of that. It depends on how many times we have to move the tent. Um, if, you know, moving it from t- place to place, depending on, and, you know, as the park service would need us to move from one location to a different location to accommodate national gatherings, things like that. Um, it all depends on the year, but I would say it would be somewhere between a hundred and $200,000 per year, depending on so many different variables that go this way or that. During the recent inauguration period and the, the uh, thing that happened on Capitol Hill on January the 6th, uh, you had mm-hmm. to move to John Marshall Park. Uh, for instance, when that happens, who moves you? Who owns that tent? And how expensive is it to go to John Marshall Park, which is a couple blocks away, and then move back to the mall? Yeah, you know, I think it's a fair question. Um, we we own the tent. We own everything that's out there as far as David's tent. Um, benefactors from people, you know, believers across the United States have have helped sponsor David's tent to get it off the ground. It certainly isn't something that... Um, it's just shared by share expenses of one or two people, but so many people have, have poured in financially to create David's tent. But the tent and the chairs and, and everything that is is out there right now um, is owned by David's tent, the nonprofit, um, except for the porta potties. That's the service, and we just we pay a you know a monthly fee for them to to keep it keep it up. Um, it take it could take anywhere between four to seven thousand roughly every time we move. And so um, we have a, a tent contractor that comes out, and they help service the tent for us. They move the tent for us where we need it to move. And that way we kind of sort of know that it's going to be constructed well, and it's, yeah, it's up to par. How long is each permit that you have with the National Park Service? Um, it varies. We uh, Nobody can get a permit for more than 120 days. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, that's just uh, a regulation that's part of the Park Service. So actually David's tent is... It sort of runs one permit after the next. Um, it isn't a, a perpetual permit. It's, you know, every couple of months we have to sort of um, reapply and kind of resubmit our paperwork. Do you have to buy insurance? Yes, we obviously have to have insurance and, um, for for whatever reasons. Um, we would have to have insurance to cover the board of directors, obviously, and, and all, all that is um, David's tents out there in the mall. We um Weather, all sorts of things. Um, we have to have insurance. Go back to your own family. Um, I noticed a couple of names of your youngest daughters on your Twitter account. One of them name is, I believe, Arrow. One of them is Anchor. Uh, what are the rest of the names of your kids, and why did you name them that way? <laughs> you know, that is a long story, way much longer than this interview can can give. But my oldest boy, his name is Cadence. My second boy, his name is Blaze. My third is a girl. Her name is Avella, which means breath. And um, and then my, my fourth child is a boy named Anthem. And then five, six, and seven are all girls. And they're in, in order, Pillar, Anchor, and Arrow. 
And each one of you know, in, in the Hebraic, in the Bible, in the, you know, the Hebrews, they would often name their children actually um, something that was very relevant to life at the time. Um, there's actually a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 8, verse 18, that says, um, Here I stand, a prophet to the nation, uh, me and my children, as signs and wonders. And so we believe that our children are actually, of anything that comes from our life, our children are probably the, the most significant signs and wonders that we have. And so, uh, so, you know, the name Pillar is, there's a verse in Scripture that talks about our daughters are like pillars in the house of the Lord. Uh, for arrow, there's another verse in Isaiah 49 that talks about the, the servant of the Lord being an arrow in God's quiver. Um, and then, you know, another, another, my other daughter, Anchor, um, is just is really based on of the Lord is sort of the anchor to our soul, that in the midst of the changing and changes and challenges and the, the winds of culture and the winds of life, that we can be anchored in the love of God. And so each one of our, our children's names... Um, they all have a meaning to it, um, and that's why we named them what we did. Where do the kids go to school? Yeah, my wife is a is a hero homeschool mom, and so this past year with COVID, uh, my goodness, it was for we were so thankful we were homeschooling uh, because for us it didn't change a whole lot. Um, so my wife, we, yeah, they homeschool them, um, and so my my oldest, I guess my oldest four, oldest five are in homeschool now, and my younger my youngest. Two are still the certain toddlers in the house. Where did you meet your wife? I met my wife in Texas, and I um, I did a missions training school there, um, and and then out of that school, I sort of started serving as a full time missionary. And three years later, I met my wife. She's from California. I'm from Pennsylvania. We met in Texas. We've been overseas together to to different foreign nations, and um, and so thankful for my wife. When you look up uh, King David, you find that uh, he pitched a tent near his palace, hired, as you say, more than 4,000 worshipers and, and uh, uh, entertainers, and, but he did it for 33 years of his reign. How long do you intend to do this? You know, I intend to do it as long as there is grace to do so. And what I mean by that is as long as, the, as, as um, it is very clear that, like, David's tent on the mall doesn't happen because one guy like Jason Hershey decides we should do it. Um, the reality is, is there's thousands and thousands of people that are giving financially to it. And we think that we've had over 5,000 worship teams over the last five years that have at some point participated at David's tent from across the nation, from all different denominational backgrounds. And so as long as the church keeps saying yes, and by the church, I mean like the unified church across the nation, as long as there are people behind us that say, yeah, we want to keep sponsoring it, as long as people are there that are going to continue to sign off the watches to keep the song going day and night, as long as there is grace to do so, we're going to keep going because really Jesus is worthy of it. So, uh, I mean, I talk about, like, the reason why we do it is the same reason why you look at the sunset or why the same reason why you take another bite of ice cream. If God is so good, He is so glorious, His loving kindness is never-ending, and so because of that, we worship day and night. I, I probably shouldn't ask you this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, King David, as you know, reportedly had eight wives and 18 children. <laughs> uh, does it bother you that uh, that's kind of the moral standards that he set and that uh, you're following him by calling this David's tent? 
You know, King David, it gets worse, you know. King David actually um, slept with another man's wife, committed adultery, and then he uh, set it up for that man to be on the front lines of the battle to have him murdered by way of, of the military, putting him in the front lines where he knew he would get killed. And so, so the, the reality of King David's life is that he knew the sure and steadfast mercies of God. And I think, like, like what, you know, is there any one of us that could make the case that we've lived a moral life completely? I am as fallen as the next guy. And we all need the forgiveness and the grace of God. And so, yeah, there's parts of David's life that are messy, um, but there's parts of my life that are messy. But Jesus, in his grace and in his forgiveness, he's cleaned me up, he's forgiven me, he's given me a, a, a new purpose and a new walk um, before him. And so, man, I, I'm right there with David. I think all of us are, if we're perfectly honest, uh, is that we need the steadfast uh, love of the Lord. And we, if we take a good, hard look at our life, we probably all have moral issues at some point. On your website, you say we are not protesting anything. We are not lobbying for anything. We are not seeking political change. Is that still the fact? Well, I guess, to be perfectly honest, what we are lobbying for is the right of Jesus— um, to be lifted up and to be honored and to be ultimately followed. And so we want to see people, uh, you know, there's, there's many political things that, you, that we could talk about um, on, in a conversation like this of people wanting to bring change in, in Washington, D.C. But I think even the greatest issue more than anything is, um, do I have the nerve to actually suggest that if you're not following Jesus, you're wrong? And I will say, actually, yeah, that's exactly what we're saying, is that we believe that Jesus is actually the rightful king, and not because of his power, but because of his great love. And that because of his love and his, his goodness toward us, that, that we, yeah, we as humanity should be following him. And so our one agenda and our, our really our one cause is to lift up Jesus and to call people to follow him. Your worship teams are made up of how many people? Well, worship teams could be anyone, anywhere from one person to uh, we had a choir come from a Baptist church in Texas that was like 250 people. So they filled David's tent and they were circled around outside David's tent. And they like this, the choir itself took up the whole tent. So it could, I so I guess so far our experiences, it can range from one to 250. How has the media treated you during these years? Uh, for the most part, we've gotten good press. Obviously, there's people out there that don't like Jesus. There's people out there that don't like, um, that just, for whatever reason, I don't, you know, I'm not there to judge anyone's heart, but for whatever reason, they would be um, against Christianity. And so, yeah, there's, there's the Twitter, you know, the Twitter post, there's the blog post, whatever, from this um, this organization or that paper or that, you know, that grassroots news organization that will rise from time to time. But for the most part, the media has been has been uh, fine. You know, they have uh, we have found nothing but but significantly good good reporting. Can you sell things at the tent? No, that would be um, we. Well, we we may sell any like buttons or books or uh, or pamphlets. Um, just sort of in the First Amendment sort of mindset. We can sell or give away any, any sort of literature that is directly related to our First Amendment cause. And so for us, the cause is David's tent. The cause is the glory of Jesus. So we hand out free Bibles. We do hand out tracts. Um, 
I did write a book on David's tent, on David's tabernacle, and sort of the story of how it began in the beginning years. And so I think that's available for like $10 at David's tent right now. It's the only thing we sell. And all of the proceeds of that book go straight to David's tent as a nonprofit. Um, but if you want that book, you're going to have to get it quick because I think we're down to like the last like 30 copies or something. And we at this point, we haven't planned to do another reprint until we know that there is really a significant demand to do so. I'm not sure this is a good word, but what is the strangest thing that's happened since you've been on the mall? Oh, my goodness. The strangest thing. You know, uh, human behavior is a real mystery. Uh, we've, there was one night where we had a guy that ran into David's tent and took his clothes off and like, and then ran back out of the tent again. And, um, and then a couple of minutes later, he was back at the tent because his buddies had dropped him off at the side of the street with a dare and said, run into the tent and then, when he, and then, and run back. And so he, he ran back to the car, but they had took off and they left him hanging out on the mall. And so... So our staff were like, like grab some blankets for him and like, you know, try to just get his dignity and his modesty back. Um, and then I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if we were able to, to call a cab or something, somehow help him on his way. But yeah, he was, he was like totally ditched by his friends of what seemed to be, to be a dare. And so I would say that is probably the strangest thing that happened. Cause and that's the word you asked. Um, human behavior is absolutely a mystery to me at times. Um, but this is why we need the grace of God. You say that there are certain instruments that are always in the tent. What are they, and who can use them? Yeah, you know, the people that sign up to take um, to take watches at David's tent, it's not just like people can come in and stop in and pick them up and play them. Um, we ask people that if they're taking watches at David's tent, if the worship team's signing up to take the stage for a, an hour or two hours, um, they apply ahead of time. We schedule them ahead of time. And so we have a piano in there. We have a, uh, for night watch. Um, we can't have any amplified music from nine at night till seven o'clock in the morning. It has to be unplugged. And that's a, there's a city ordinance in Washington, D.C. of no outside amplified music from nine at night until seven in the morning. So we have an acoustic uh, baby grand piano in there for night watch as well as acoustic guitars. But then during the day from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., um, we have a full sound system in there. We have a drum kit. We have, you know, a keyboard. We have electric guitars, electric bass guitar, um, sort, sort of absolutely microphones for singers as well. And so we have all those sort of instruments available, especially for the worship teams that are traveling in from out of town, um, to be able to not have to bring all of their equipment with them. Last question. What's been the high point for you? Oh, man, the high point for me is the power of God, the Holy Spirit, Again and again and again, I'll walk into the tent and there's somebody that's sitting there and they're just weeping, weeping, weeping as the love of God is touching their heart. You know, um, our, our country and our whole world right now, to be honest, is in real need of hope. And, um, and God's Spirit has a way of, of going deeper than our mind, going deeper than our understanding into the place of our hearts where He really touches us in the inside. And he really reveals his love to us. And so um, again and again, um, we, I've just seen God meet with people, and God, they hear his voice as they're sitting there. They hear God talking to them, and their life is, is, is changed forever. Um, and we've, we've had people that have come to David's tent, they've prayed with our staff, and they've returned a couple weeks later to say, you know, my daughter um, has been suffering with depression for her whole life. But when I came to David's tent and I prayed with your staff, I went home, and she's been joyful ever since. God is working in my family. 
So, and, and we've had oodles of people that have come to David's tent and they've been sick or they've been crippled or something. We've prayed for them and they've been made well. I mean, like real Jesus Bible stuff. As we've, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough that we want to keep praying for the sick. And so, um, so we just we get to see God moving and see God's love actually encounter people's lives and people's lives actually get changed. And so I think more than anything, like, like the, the joy that we sense that's in the heart of God as he meets with his people in that place, oh, man, that's like that's eternal treasures that will never be taken from us. And I am so thankful to just have a front row seat to, to see all of that happen. I should never say last question because I have a, one, one more. <laughs> Reportedly, uh, King David lived a thousand years before Christ was born, but somehow, some way, they know that he was a skillful harp player. And my question to you mm-hmm. is, do you have an instrument that you play? I do play, um, I do play guitar. My first, my, the first instrument that I learned how to play as a young man is I, I was a drummer. Um, but then over the years, I learned how to play guitar. And so I do play guitar. I can play a little bit of piano, but, but most piano players would scoff at my playing. <laughs> what, do you have a title? Oh, they would just call me the director or the founder of David's Tent, D.C. Jason Hershey, thank you very much. David's Tent, D.C., you can find it, see it on the mall at 7th and Madison. Any day you're down on the National Mall, and we thank you for joining us. Yeah, you bet. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcasts at c-span.org.